Thanks for listening to Julie Goodnight's Horse Master Academy podcast, presented by Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. We'll take on a new horse training or horse care topic in every episode. Thanks for listening and enjoy the ride. Julie, thanks for joining us for another podcast. Today we have a question from a Facebook fan who wants to know what she can do with her horse on the trail. This horse seems to be a little bit worried about going through tight spaces. She says, hi, Julie. I love your shows and I learn a lot from you. I like your methods and trust what you are saying and doing. I have a problem with my horse and can't seem to find any information on what to do about it. Sometimes while trail riding, we encounter a tree or some obstacle that makes it impossible to keep on the trail. So we need to find a way around the obstacle. This means going in tight places with trees and low limbs. My mare gets very nervous in these situations. She barges through and is very hard to hold back and maneuver through at all. She's normally not a spooky horse and is such a good trail horse. I just need to know how to get her to relax and get through the tight places without getting hurt in the process. Thanks so much from Michelle. Well, that's a great question. And, of course, horses are naturally claustrophobic. Pretty much all horses are claustrophobic. Some of them learn to deal with it better than others. Horses are naturally afraid of tight places, of course, because flight is their number one response to danger. So confinement makes them more scared. A lot of people have probably seen this attribute in the horse trailer. If you've, I don't know if you've ever seen a horse that just, they load just fine, but they panic inside the horse trailer and try to come out any opening there is just because the claustrophobia mm-hmm. overtakes them. There's a lot, fortunately, most horses desensitize to that pretty quickly uh, in the horse trailer or in stalls. Uh, there's a lot Michelle can do to retrain this horse. Um, first of all, I should also say there's a little bit of an obedience problem there. Um, horse, you should be able to control a horse's speed, and you should be able to control each step it takes. That's why I'm not a real big fan of doing trail obstacle stuff at speed because particularly when it comes to the trail and being in tight places or precarious places, I would like to be able to control my horses each and every step he takes. Mm-hmm. And I would be able to, uh, you know, get him to take one step at a time upon my cue through a very tight obstacle. That's really hard to control every step and control yeah, and if you uh, you allow horses to charge through things, of course that's going to be that's what you're training them to do. So she can start with some very very basic stuff. Oh, here's another example of uh, how this claustrophobia sometimes manifests: is if you have a horse that when you walk them through a gate or in or through a stall door, anything tight like that, he rushes through it, kind of runs mm-hmm. over the top of you. That's really dangerous, number one. Number two, it's really bad manners. If, you know, I, I wouldn't ever tolerate that for a second in a horse. So um, one thing Michelle can do is just kind of go back and assess this horse on the ground, just around the barn, walking through tight gates, walking. We're fortunate here at my place. We have a lot of, of trees and some of them are close together, and so what we like to do with horses like that is start walking them through the trees closer and closer and closer together. I have uh, quite a few places, either a narrow gate or uh, trees or between the hitch rail and the barn. Um, so that, And you've got to work on your ground manners here. And 
what I would do with a horse that was already rushing through things like that because of their claustrophobia is I'd walk them up to it where maybe their nose was about even with the tight opening and stop, make them stand, pat on them, take one step farther, stop, make them stand, pat on them, stroke them, tell them what a good horse they are, and keep doing that one step at a time until the neck is between the opening and then the shoulder is between the opening. With the claustrophobic horse, at some point, he'll want to rush through that, and that's when you have to get very authoritative and make him stop. Julie, you're talking about here doing this with a rope halter and you on the ground. Before I go riding through a tight space, I sure want to be able to lead a horse through a tight space because sure. once you're riding, uh, you 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 know you have fewer options, and plus it's your knees that are uh, going to get hurt the most. Yeah. yeah. So at least you know leading through. Uh, but I, I think what Michelle needs to do is, or anybody that's experienced claustrophobia in any of these other areas I mentioned. Um, you need to go back and assess the horse from the ground and walk through tighter and tighter spaces. In her case, she might want to build some obstacles, um, you know, get some get some brush or something and make some piles or uh, whatever, you know, the situation is that, that worries the horse and makes her, her want to rush through. Build Recreate that at home. Yeah, or even if the trails are near her house, take her horse out there you know, lead rope and a lead line. And, you know, if, if if anyone has any questions on how to instill these types of ground manners in your horse, my lead line leadership video um, shows all of this information. Uh, but okay. you should be able to control a horse's each and every step. So you started to say, Julie, before I wanted to clarify and make sure we were working from the ground, if that horse starts to rush through that gate or those tight trees, you have to be kind of harsh and, and make sure they know you're in charge. What does that correction process look like? So I would say, whoa, firmly, snap the lead rope, and um, with enough pressure that causes the horse to immediately halt and maybe even take a step back. And then we'd start over again. You know, and I, I don't want to turn this into a big fight. But at the moment the horse begins to rush through with, uh, without my permission, with, in, in other words, they're moving in an unauthorized manner, because um, I'm just asking them to go one step at a time and stop. As soon as the horse starts rushing through, the horse is now disobedient, and you need to maintain, you know, regain obedience. And so, whoa, shut that horse down back him up and then stop, let him take a deep breath, pat on him, and begin to walk him through one step at a time. So if it takes a half an hour to go through that gate opening one step at a time, that's what you're going to do. The horse needs to learn under no circumstances can she rush through and take a step without my authority. And so once you've worked at that enough on the ground, just in the in the natural tight spaces that you have, and maybe built some obstacles, or maybe taken that horse out on the trail to some specific areas where you had trouble before, um, then and only then when do I start doing the same type of thing riding. Um, but you want to be able to approach any and all obstacles and ask the horse to move through one one step at a time. You know, take a creek crossing, for instance. You know, I walk my horse up to the creek. 
the last thing I want him to do is is you know suck back and then jump ten feet right across the creek. I want him to go in one, and I don't want him to charge across it either. I want him to walk slowly and in a controlled manner across it. So I think part of it is she needs to she needs to assert more authority over her horse. And she probably needs to look at other areas where she may not be insisting upon 100% obedience from the horse. You know, is the horse walking off when she sits down in the saddle? Or, you know, mm-hmm. is the horse breaking into a trot just because the horse in front of it does or, you know, whatever. Uh, it's the little things that lead to the larger disobediences. And, Julie, would you say that Michelle probably needs to do this every day for a while or more on a consistent basis. I think sometimes we run into these scenarios where it seems like you only find that scenario on the trail and maybe you only go that way once every two weeks or once a month. So that consistency with your horse, how important is that? It's it's absolutely important. And also, she needs to retrain, and training is an investment of time. Or it's an investment of money if you pay somebody else to do it. Sure. <laughs> but it's, uh, training, you know, occurs over time. And, yeah, every day or every other day, wh- whatever you can devote to it. But, I mean, she has to invest in the training to fix the problem. Just going out on the trail again and trying to tackle it then is it's probably not going to fix it. So, Invest in that training and do it regularly. Uh, every day would be great. Every other day would be fine, um, even if you can only do it two days a week. But set aside that time as training time, not as your recreational trail riding time. So by the time you get to your recreational time, hopefully she's just paying attention and, and goes right with you. Yeah. And if she's not having trouble in other areas with this horse, it shouldn't take a huge amount of time. The horses are really seriously claustrophobic because they're doing this walking in and out of the stall or through gates or in a horse trailer. Those horses are going to require uh, more time than, than probably Michelle's is. But I think if she just dedicates her time and energy to fixing that problem and think of it as a disobedience problem as well as, as claustrophobia, then she... Uh, she can probably get it fixed pretty quickly. Julie, have you ever seen any horses that are more scared to go through narrow things out in in nature versus going into the trailer or things like that? Yeah. Is this definitely the same claustrophobic issue? It sounds like she must get to the, the trailhead somehow, and she didn't mention the trailer loading issue either. Sure. it's uh, It's all the same... Uh, behavioral issue in terms of claustrophobia, but it's what a, what a horse is desensitized to. Just because the horse is desensitized to the slight panic they feel going in and out of gate or a stall door or getting in a trailer, doesn't mean she's desensitized it to something out on the trail. So e- each and every scenario is totally different. And also, horses, you know, there's a huge scale on how reactive horses are to tight spaces. Some of them have it really bad, and and uh, others don't seem to be that bothered by it. So there's an individual variance there as well. Okay. 
And you know, I think too, depending on where she's riding, just feeling those pine needles on your belly or things like that. You know, if a horse on his own, it was in a herd and in nature, they'd never choose to take that route versus the open way. So feeling all those things yeah. or going through that thick area probably isn't very natural for a horse, even though it is the natural outdoors. Right, and also that's a really dangerous situation, man. I've 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 been there and done that, and you know, particularly going under big limbs and getting your, uh, you, you know, what do you do? Lean forward or lean back? Either way, you're gonna, right? Uh, you know, if you lean back, your face is exposed. If you lean forward, your, you know, your chest is smacking into the horn, and mm-hmm. um, if you're riding western, but um, it, that's very dangerous and uh, very easy for someone to get hurt in that, including your horse. Before I would ride through something like that, I, I'd get off and, and try to lead my horse through it and hope I could control the horse. You know, that's not without risk either because the horse may come over the top of you, sure. which is not good. But um, I think, you know, it doesn't sound like she's got a lot of pro- other problems with this mare. She just needs to get more, uh, get more control. And if she did need to get down and work through it from the ground, even on a trail ride, you could put the halter under the bridle or have something where you could still kind of go through a training process. Would that be a good idea? Sure, absolutely. And you're probably going to take a halter with you anyway on, sure. a, on a trail ride of any length. And um, Yeah, absolutely. Just say to your friend, hey, we're, let's go out on this ride, but I'd like to just make it a training session and maybe even look for some places, some tight timber or whatever that you could uh, – get off and send school in. And that's a really good idea. Once she's ready to go back out on the trail, don't go with a group that's just going to charge ahead no matter what because then she, her horse might think that she needs to go fast to keep up and it you know, just kind of instills other training problems rather than focusing on that training. So asking a friend to help and focusing on that ride being a training ride is a good idea. And absolutely, and that that brings up some really important trail etiquette too. Is that whenever you're in a tricky obstacle, even if it's just crossing a creek, uh, the riders in front need to always be conscientious and aware of what's going on with the riders behind them. Because if if they just barge through the creek and keep going, and there's a horse, five or six horses back that's afraid. And now there's that big gap open in front of them. Mm-hmm. The horses are going to try to jump or run. Or whereas if you know the the proper way would be for the leader of the ride to cross the obstacle and then turn around and stop and wait and watch, supervise everybody coming through, and then they stop on the other side of it. So you have a you know big group that just stops and waits till everybody's through the tricky obstacle. Then you move on as a group. I think that's a really good idea and probably one that gets overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. Good. That should help her a lot. I think starting anything, training at home and, and really working as often as you can and looking at that as, as something you can recreate around the barnyard or close by and then gradually go farther and farther until you're back on the trail and riding. But I think that's a, a good training process for her. Yeah. Good. Julie, well, thanks so much for answering this and we look forward to the next podcast with you. That's my pleasure. I'm Heidi Malako. I'm here today with Desiree Johnson from Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. 
And Desiree, today I would love to have you walk us through the different styles of your jeans and then tell us about the sizing. So I know that you have quite a bit of range in making sure that all riders can find the right fit. So let's start with that first. What are the different styles of riding jeans and who are the riders that fit best into those different styles? What kind of rider would wear each style? We have three different styles of smooth strides. We have the real riding jean plain, which has absolutely no micro suede. So then the second style is the extended knee patch. And this is a pat, this micro suede that uh, starts at the top of the knee uh, on the inside and goes all the way down to the hem. And then we have the full seat which looks very much from the back like a full seat you see in the dressage britches. Sure. And then extends all the way down to the floor, to the hemline. And again, um, it's all washable and dryable. We have uh, three different lengths. We have 31 inches, 33 inches, and 36 inches. Okay. So let's go back to the real riding jean. Tell me who would love that jean the most. Who's going to be riding in that and find that the, the best style that you have? Well, that's a good question. There are a couple different reasons I would feel that a gal would want a jean with no micro suede. One reason would be uh, temperature. The less microsuede, the cooler the jean. So if you live in a hot area, I would definitely suggest the real riding jean plain. And, and another reason is some gals don't want, they really don't want it to look like a riding jean. Mm -hmm. um, I know that a lot of Western styles, they don't want their jean to look like an English jean. You know, an English right. jean, they just want a blue jean. Just give me a blue jean and let me ride in it. And cost, they are the, the, the least expensive of all three. You also might choose that if you wanted to ride and then go into town and not feel like you look like you're wearing a riding jean, right? Exactly. Exactly, yes. But mm -hmm. it still has the features. It has no bulky seam on the inside. And, and what other features still would you consider making that a riding jean rather than a regular pair of jeans? There's no cross seam. So in the other two styles, you do have the patches that are in areas that are off the pressure points. They're very specially designed seams that won't interfere with riding at all. The special thing about the real riding jean plane, it is literally absolutely and utterly clean on the inside. Okay. And then on the extended knee patch, what did that one look like? The extended knee patch, I feel, would be wonderful for gals who want to not put on half chaps. For instance, I'm an English rider. I put my paddock boots on, and I don't have to ch put boots on and off at all. I don't have to put a ch half chap on, take it off. All I do is get on my horse, get off, and I'm absolutely fine. It's a reinfor it's a it's a bit of reinforcement for the calf bicep that protects against the stirrup leathers, and it gives you a little bit more stickiness there on your lower leg. Mm -hmm. um, it is has a little bit more of a, a style flavor of of equestrianism, you know, it, it, you can see it and it's kind of flashy, but it's not as big as the full seat. Tell us about the full seat. Who wants to ride in that the most? The full seat, I discovered, covers two big, huge areas. Number one, some girls want a dress jean. They want a show jean. They want it to look like a riding jean. Sure. It's fancy. It's beautiful. It's sexy. You can go out, wear them out at, for as an evening pants. They're just a real beautiful riding jean. And the second aspect is they, the, the nap in the tack for very active riders, barrel racing, um, raining, you know, girls, western dressage, the nap really does help. Um, now, the, nothing can replace, you know, the leg strength for, 
staying on a horse, of course. But the uh, you know dressage breeches have that little bit of leather. After testing them myself, the little bit of nap really does help in the tack. Good. And they're warmer <laughs> for cold areas. They're That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, and definitely different seasons of the year you want that extra extra help and, and extra help to just keep you in the saddle, feel secure. Right. Thanks for listening to Julie Goodnight's Horse Master Academy podcast, presented by Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. Check out smoothstride.com and find them on Facebook to thank them for making this podcast possible. Also, be sure to visit juliegoodnight.com slash podcasts for the full library of audio interviews you can listen to in the car or at the barn. 